Acts chapter 12, I'm going to continue to teach through the book of Acts on prayer in the book of Acts, and specifically we're going to be talking about times of peril and persecution and why, how the early church responded and how we in these latter days should respond to peril and persecution as Christians. So Acts chapter 12, let's begin in the first verse and we'll continue to read down through the 19th verse. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. If you don't circle in your Bible or underline words in your Bible, I want to encourage you if in your reading, your daily reading or when we're reading together corporately as believers, if there's a phrase, a word, something that speaks to you, take a moment you know, underline that, highlight it, because that's something that God is drawing out of the text and wants you to really hone in on. So when I began looking at persecution in the early church, it's in light of the times that we live in. We live in perilous times. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote that to his son in the faith. He said, you know, in the latter times, in the end days, times will be perilous. The word perilous there really uh, is quite uh, a descriptive word in the original language, in the Greek language. Uh, it's used one other time in the New Testament. It's used in the time where you remember in the gospel writings where there were uh, the man, the madman of Gadara. And he terrorized, he terrorized a whole region. No one could go by the region in which he lived. Uh, it was harmful. It was dangerous. It was risky. And that's the same word that to describe the madman of Gadara that, that Paul used in the Greek to describe the days before the coming of the Lord. That there's going to be places that are going to be risky, that are going to be dangerous, that, that are going to be very challenging for people to go to in the earth. We know that there's uh, what we would call in, in our nation, there's, there's these, uh, we identify them through zip codes. There's zip codes uh, uh, like Beverly Hills has a zip code. And, and they even had a, a TV show years ago. And, and of course, you, people talk about that's the high rent zip code. It, it's, you know, where the upper echelon live. And, and, but there's also very dangerous zip codes. Uh, East St. Louis has a various dangerous, uh, the South Philadelphia, East LA, uh, North Kansas City, all of these areas are places where you can run into peril. They're dangerous. Uh, they're not easily navigated. You go there at your own risk. Um, and that's what really sort of got me to say, Doug, you probably need to slow down and, and not just give one example of this in the book of Acts, but give multiple examples. Last week we looked at chapter 3 and 4, but <clears throat> we're going to look at, at chapter 12 tonight and... and uh, and then probably next week we're going to look at chapter 16 because if the early church encountered this kind of persecution and, and encountered this, this kind of peril, and here we are living in the latter days of the, of the church age and things have escalated, then we, we can't be naive to what Scripture teaches and, and how the church responded and what God did in response to their prayers so that's the encouraging side that I, I want you to see. We can't pray away perilous times. I wish I could say, you know, all right, what we're going to discover as we read through the book of Acts is that you can actually pray away perilous times. But this is what I do know is that God can intervene in the midst of perilous times and preserve and protect his people. 
Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to face persecution because that's a promise in Scripture. But what it does is it causes our heart not to fear. Praying people are not fearful people. Praying people are prepared and they're ready and they're equipped. So many people today need to be, you know, finding their way back into the prayer closet because that's a place where you're being strengthened and where you're being enlightened and and where God is becoming so real in your life that you're willing to do and willing to go anywhere he asks you to do or anywhere he asks you to go. All right, let's continue to read here. So here's the harassment. Uh, Herod stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. It's going to describe that now. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread or during the feast of, of Passover. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church, by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel, that it was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Right? When they were past the first and the second guard post, They came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and they went down one street. Immediately, the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now, Mary is, this is, uh, in the account, this is the upper room. Uh, Mary was the keeper of of this particular uh, home and this residency. And so we know it's a very large room, has a capacity at least for 120 people and many more, uh, historians will say. And John Mark is, this is, this is where, you know, we begin to see the, the, the beginnings of John Mark in the narrative of, of scripture. And, and so they're all there. Uh, and what are they doing? They're praying. And how often? It's continual prayer. So people are coming and going from this upper room. And as their schedule allows them to do, uh, maybe early in the morning, afternoon, in the evening, you know, they're going up there and they realize that uh, the times that they're living in are very risky. Uh, and there's, there's, there's already been the loss of one of the church leaders and now potentially Peter uh, is, is going to be next. Peter is surrounded by four quadrants of soldiers. That's no less than 16 
men that are very capable of guarding one man who's unarmed, and uh, yet they were no match for one angel. Praise the Lord. But this constant prayer that was, was going up, this, this commitment by the church to realize that we have got one of our leaders in peril. They're, they're in, a, in a very, very a dangerous place. Herod has is, is got, got the people behind him, and, uh, and they're, they're joyful over the shedding of blood. They, they're, you know, uh, the administration would say governmentally is uh, anti-Christ or, or completely against the way or the faith. And, and, and because of it, you know, they're taking matters into their own hands. I find it to be interesting that in the account of Scripture, uh, it says that Peter was arrested. But what are the charges? Who are his accusers? You know, and and it doesn't go into detail. It was because they could. If you if you understand the kind of government that they were were under and the kind of power and authority that that they could yield, it was simply it made the people happy, and so it keeps me in power and keeps me popular, and it seems like the right thing to do. And and. And unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of decisions are made in that way at the highest levels of our leadership. It, it's what the people want. It's what makes them happy. It's what keeps me popular. And it, it's not over what is right, what's, what's good for the people, what's right for the people, what's even right before God Almighty. Um, it just, uh, there's just those kind of, of situations that that are occurring, and uh, and so the the body of Christ now is is gathering, and they're praying, and they're crying out to God, and they're seeking the Lord, and this tremendous this tremendous sequence of events takes place to the point that Peter finally, when everything is said and done, and he's standing in the middle of this street, and by himself, realizes God just sovereignly intervened in my life. The next thing that happens is something that I, I, I feel is very important to bring out. Peter knew where to go. No one told him where to go. He knew where to go. He knew people were gathering in that room. So this constant prayer just couldn't have been potentially on behalf of Peter. Maybe it was happening more consistently than what we know. But constant prayer was being offered up for him. But maybe prayer was happening there constantly, and Peter knew that's where the believers were gathering, was in this upper room. And so he made his way to that home, and he knocked on the door. I find this to be uh, a very important aspect of our story but let's go back to verse 12 so so when he considered this he came to the house of mary the mother of john whose surname was was mark where many were gathered together praying and as peter knocked at the door of the gate a girl named rhoda came and answered and when she recognized peter's voice because of her gladness she did not open the gate but ran she ran in and announced that peter stood before the gate and they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. 
And so they said, it's his angel. Now, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Verse 18. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there. Um, There's not a lot of commentary that I want to add to the latter part of this story. Other than God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask and think. I, I, I have no questions in my mind. These believers were praying. And they were believing. But what took place to them was beyond what they could even comprehend to the place that they even denied that it was Peter. The comedy of it is what I enjoy. (laughs) Peter just, and they're talking and disputing and maybe even disagreeing about if it's even a possibility. And yet the constant knock on the door And I imagine he was a little anxious. Wouldn't you have been a little anxious? What if these soldiers come and begin to search the city? And would you open up the gate and just please allow me to come in? And I'd feel a lot safer among the company of believers that I identify with and are part of my spiritual family. And eventually they did and they all rejoiced. Let's never stop praying. Let's be continual. Let's constantly pray. And let's let God amaze us with the results. Let's don't give up on praying. They prayed constantly, continually. Let's not lose heart in praying. Let's find those places of prayer. Let's offer up the big ask. Why not ask big? If he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, why not ask big and let him do bigger? Why not think big and let him cause it to manifest? And that's how I want to encourage you tonight. In challenging times, dangerous times, difficult times, times where you even would be concerned about your own safety and well-being, Um, if we're a people of prayer, God is at work. He's working. He's preserving for himself a people unto himself, for a testimony, for a witness of his goodness. The 91st Psalm being manifested here. And I think if I was in prison, on falsely accused, 
surrounded by 16 well-trained soldiers. The possibilities of me seeing my family or friends again are probably minimal unless someone's praying. Unless someone is is willing to say, this person matters, this life matters, this individual matters. Someone's praying. So in these times, let's be people of prayer. Let's not get caught up in all of the things that are going on that would cause us concern. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and allow him to calm our concerns and give us his peace and guide us into his will. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.